best DJ in the world. Probably. You're listening to the Britpop Show, sponsored by Creation Day Festival, playing the best and the rest of Britpop. You are indeed, and it is Monday night, the Britpop Show. Thank you for tuning in. Let's start with some ash, shall we? Oh, yeah.
Smash with Oh Yeah. That was out on the 24th of June 1996. So that is 25 years old, that song. Can you believe it? Uh, I know I say it every week, can you believe it? And I'm sure you guys can, but uh, it's worth mentioning. I had a message in already from Mark. Mark says, hi, David. I enjoyed last week's show. 25 years since the release of Dodgy's three-piece suite album is hard to believe. And he says, well done on achieving a top ranking within the category of leisure podcasts. You must be pleased with that. Keep the Britpop facts and tunes coming. Now, if you don't know what he's talking about, go on to the podcast. It was all there last week. You can listen to it at your leisure, your, your leisure podcast indeed. What are we doing today, though? If you enjoyed Dodgy last week, you're going to like like a bit of Gomez. People who like Dodgy like a bit of Gomez, don't they? I've interviewed Ben Otterwell. I told you that I had a few weeks ago. It's in the can. It's all approved. And let's hear some of it now, shall we? This is Gomez. If I can go back to Gomez for a start, how did the band start? So Ian and Earl knew each other. I think they were born in the same hospital, like days apart, and their mothers met. I think Ian's mum was coming out and Oz's mum was going in or something. And um, yeah, so they've known each other forever and they've been in various dodgy sort of metal bands, you know, thrash bands and stuff like that. They've been making music for a long time. Uh, Tom and Blackie are also from Southport. They went to school together and they somehow all got together and started making music, but not, not really with any idea other than sort of just to have fun. It's sort of what, they did in their spare time you know what i mean it wasn't really with any sort of ideas of you know we're going to be the biggest band in the world or any of that sort of stuff then i actually joined a little bit later i met ian at university and we were both gooseberries and our mates our mates were both on dates with these girls and we'd gone along so we ended up just sitting at the bar together talking about tom waits and you know ben harper and people like that and you know music that we liked and yeah, it turned out he had, he had these whole raft of songs. So they already had like Whipping Piccadilly and Get Myself Arrested and things like that. And I just ended up sort of getting involved with it. I remember seeing someone dressed in a suit Looking like a lunatic And we all fall down There's not in the flowers in our trip You know, just met yeah. the guys. Me and Ian start playing a bit of guitar together, and you know, um, yeah, and it just sort of went from there. And you know, I sort of brought along sort of free to run and get miles and stuff like that. And yeah, it just it just worked out. But again, it was just something we do, you know in our spare time basically it was like and it's really strange there was never sort of most bands sort of develop live you know they get themselves a couple of songs play a few covers you know do a lot of gigging hell of a lot of gigging but we didn't do that we never played we played one show which was sort of for our mates you know in leeds that was more of a party yeah we just got this demo tape our thing was always just recording music you know yeah. always just seeing how far we could push push the envelope just on a four track set machine you know so a lot of what you hear on bring it on is just that just a four track sort of demo basically yeah. 
got this tape together. We were very good friends with a guy who worked in a record store in Sheffield called uh, Record Collector. And we'd go in there looking for, you know, Tim Buckley, Star Sailor and stuff like that. You know, really obscure records. And he really knew stuff. And Ian one day sort of went, oh, you should listen to this. And Steve Fellows, who was to become our manager, he was like, oh, no, not another. You know, he, he, the way he tells it, he was really worried because he quite liked Ian and he didn't want to have to say, you know, sorry, mate, this is shit, you know. But he actually really loved it. And he, he was in a band called Concert Angels in the 80s. And he had a few sort of connections here and there. So he just sent the tape around and, and it was, it actually became a bit more. It was really strange. Like, so just from us, you know, sort of knocking around in bedrooms and garages or whatever, just, just making music. No, j just for the love of that, just for exploring what we could do with music. You know, yeah. there was sort of fourth and fifth generation cassette tapes of our demo going around you know, the headquarters of London record labels. So we were like, well, what are we going to do? Because we've never played, we've not played live. We didn't really have even, probably couldn't rustle up enough amps to actually play live. So we we booked a rehearsal room, which is in Sheffield, right next to the train station, sort of in the, you know, the sort of cultural yeah, part. Of that why is that? They always seem to be right well, next to the train station. Well, no, it's, it's kind of cheap land probably. But yeah, and so the, oh, this just stream of record, a and R guys had come up from London and come and watch us rehearse. You know, that was the showcase. Yeah. And yeah, so that was that was sort of the story. And, and you, then went so with, all, you went with Hutt. Hutt, yeah. Because just purely Dave Boyd, you know, is was brilliant, is brilliant. You know, he's a proper old school music guy. Knew all the references we were, you know, going for. Really seemed to understand the music, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We were ridiculously about to get on an aeroplane to go and meet Madonna. For, you know her label Maverick. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was a possibility. We were like, no, this is just ridiculous. We, you know, we know this guy. We trust this guy. Yeah, and it was just a pleasure working with him. But what happened then was because we'd never played live, we got through because Embrace had just broke at that point with all you good good people, and we, as their label mates, you know, I think Dave had a word and said, look, can you take this band Gomez on the road with you? So our first gigs, pretty much was opening for embrace in front of thousands of people because you know my record was huge yeah. so like you know i used to vomit before going on stage every night that's ben ottowell from gomez telling us all about that got a lot more from him coming up he's such a, he was a brilliant interview but in the meantime this song came out 25 years ago it's tatva by cooler shaker off their debut album it's the second of their four singles love this song tatva cooler shaker
Tava by Cooler Shaker got to number four in the charts, spent eight weeks in the charts, got up to number four where music meant something. We're doing an interview with Ben Otwell from Gomez this week. So if you've missed the first part, it was brilliant. But stay tuned. We've got more to come. Not Selena Gomez, actual Gomez, proper music Gomez. But there's something I, I need a favour from you guys. This podcast is up for the Listener's Choice Award, British Podcast Awards. So can you do me a favour? Go online and look up the Listener's Choice Award, British Podcast Awards. Uh, stick in the, the Britpop show. Just vote. Just vote for me. That's all, that's all I need from you. In the meantime, while you're doing that, you can listen to Ben Otterwell talk about Get Myself Arrested. There's that genius lyric on Get Myself Arrested because people just love singing that, don't they? Yeah, about a drug dealer, mate. <laughs> Is that the silver suit thing? Yeah, basically. And, you know, any back then, anyone who had like a BMW and a mobile phone was definitely a drug dealer. <laughs> or anyone we knew, you know, anyone in their 20s, in early 20s or late teens. <laughs> So why the name Gomez? Uh, a friend of ours, the guy who, when I went to university in the um, halls of residence, he uh, lived next door to me. And this gig I was talking about we did for mates, he was coming up from Sheffield to Leeds where we did the show. And he wasn't always a lo lovely man, but wasn't always the most sort of reliable, you know, sort of in his sense of place and time <laughs> let's say at the time you know i'm sure he's fine there so we put we put signs saying gomez this way you know to show him where the gig was because we you know we wanted, we wanted him to come along and yeah we, we were pretty sure he wouldn't find it by himself and uh yeah that's why we were called gomez because everyone thought we were called gomez <laughs> everyone else who wasn't gomez you know his name is jason gomez and anyone else who wasn't gomez thought we would call we'd call ourselves gomez you know so because it's, it's it's one of those things isn't it because you know gomez you, you're expecting some sort of i don't know mexican stuff but i guess you wrote tijuana lady as well didn't you so you know, yeah maybe, maybe that, that I mean, we actually wrote that before we were called gomez so I don't know, and, Go and Gomez is like a—he's a Jason Gomez. He's a like South Indian descent, you know. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. No, not really. But I mean, I—I I think it—the the name does work because it—it it means that we can never take ourselves too seriously, you know. Yeah. Called Gomez. It's not like Radiohead, you know, or something like that. Something serious like that, yeah. or Coldplay, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's sort of fun. I remember seeing an article in the NME, it was about you guys, and they were calling you the next big thing after the next big thing. And so the next big thing was Embrace, and then it was your turn. I struggled with the anime at that point, because they, it was so sort of zeitgeisty, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was sort of trying to get on top of what, the, you know, trying to define culture or whatever. It, just, yeah. it was just appalling, basically. Yeah, and they, they, I, they I, used to slag us off because we met at college, you know, we met at uni, and it's like, well, <laughs> 
name a band, you know, just Rolling yeah. Stones at art college, you know? Although I did get, I think it was, might have been the enemy of the melody maker, I still remember this. I think they meant it as an insult, but I, I took it as a great compliment. They described my voice as a, a, the sound of a buffalo being backended into a wood chipper. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, what they mean by that, I guess, is original, which, yeah, is, which is a good thing. Yeah, or horrendous, whichever way you take it. But. A buffalo being back-ended into a wood chipper. Imagine if your voice was described like that. He's got a brilliant voice. He's the, he's the really raspy, gravelly voice whenever you hear a Gomez song. And he really brings it. He, he's, he, he makes the songs. He, I, I think his voice just, uh, the, the timbre in his voice just brings it. Uh, we had a message from Dave. I voted for the Britpop show for the British Podcast Awards this morning. Good one, Dave. Good luck and keep playing this great music. And then he followed it up with, I did a couple of long drives over the weekend. They went well, but it had me thinking about Britpop songs that might be good for a drive. A song that I thought of was Road Rage by Catatonia. Could you play it today? Now, Dave, as you voted for me, yes, I will. If Since you the best days, it's up to 
message in from Brian. Loving the show whilst watching the football. I'm a huge Gomez fan. Just voted. I think he voted for the Britpop show. Good man, Brian. I knew I could count on you. Message from Anon as well. Tune. I think it's time we went straight back to that interview, don't you? He's talking about Tijuana Lady. This is Ben so, Ottawa. It's pretty early on that you knew that these songs meant something because you'd only really done one gig. Yeah. I mean, I think it. I think it helped us in in a lot of ways because there wasn't any, um, you know, they, they weren't road tested like a lot of bands will sort of probably, you know, well, I don't know, I'm sort of generalising a bit, but I think a lot of bands perhaps sort of go for if if they're playing live a lot, there's a certain type of song that a, an audience will respond to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Certain type of music, and and that can come to define them. You know, so. You, you're sort of looking for that instant reaction from an audience, but we never had that. We were just trying to amuse ourselves and we're all fairly easily bored. So it's sort of, we're just trying to sort of make it as interesting as possible. Yeah. Just pull many influences in, in as we could. And there were a lot, you know, a lot of the, we're not, I mean, we were, our tastes cross over in some respects, but we certainly don't have exactly the same taste in music. And you can hear, you know, there's bits of dance music in there, bits of, sort of folk, bits of blues, bits of yeah. rock. And we all just tried to sort of get it all in, you know what I mean? You nearly didn't put that on the album, did you? We hated it. Was on that film, it. though, wasn't it? What's that? It was on that film, Best Laid Plans. I don't know, probably. I See, I read somewhere that you nearly didn't put it on the album and you hated it. Then you put it on the album and then you got paid 50 grand because it was it was on Best Laid Plans with Reese Witherspoon. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. There's a good um, chance. I don't remember that. I mean, I remember it was because it was a joke. We were listening to, I, I don't know if you remember the band Ween. Remember those guys? No. They're like an American sort of, they're, I mean, they're amazing, you should check them out, but, oh, but their stuff's very comedic, you know, comical. Yeah. And they did a record called 20 Golden Country Greats or something, just a piss-take country record, you know. And I think we, we've been listening to that and drinking a lot, and I woke up with that melody in my head, the verse melody. I was staying at Ian's, I think, probably just woke up on his floor, you know. Yeah. Started playing that, he woke up, wrote the chorus, you know, the melody. And then I think Blackie wrote a lot of the lyrics, which are all ridiculous. Um, like Silky Poncho, you know, lines like that. It's just, and so I think we found it a bit sort of throwaway and, and silly, you know, which it is, but, but it, it, it's strange how songs can do that because it, you know, it became quite, a lot of people responded to it in, you know, quite an emotional way. Yeah, that's right. People. I mean, it was generally it was generally a joke, you know, for us, genuinely a joke, yeah, so... It was Supernatural said, when I, when I interviewed them, they, they've got this song on the end of their second album called Everest, uh, and they said exactly that. They were doing it as like a parody of like a, yeah. like one of these power ballads. Yeah. And then and then at the end, they, and they were singing about things like, my love for you is bigger than Birmingham, and stuff yeah. like that, you know. And, and, and then at the end, they were like, actually, that's not a bad record. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it works. Songs can come from anywhere, and they're not, you know. I mean, I, often I'll write a song, and it'll be. Sometimes I purposefully go for the sort of ambivalence, and I'll write something like that, make it quite ambivalent, and then years later I'll find out what actually I was talking about. You know, you sort of think, oh, actually, yeah, I was. I was trying my best to hide it, but that's what I was talking about. You know, it's, it's sort of it's a strange thing, right? Yeah. Favourite gig that I've played or favourite gig I've been to? That you've played? I've played probably, probably still be Glastonbury, I think it was 99. That was pretty special. We headlined the other stage and there was tens of thousands of people there. The rain stopped, some came out and it was, yeah, it was incredible. It was just a sea of people we couldn't see. And it's a great, the other stage has got that great sort of natural amphitheatre, you know. Yeah. Just full of people singing along. It was amazing. And that's when, I think that's when we started, started to think about it in terms of being a live act, being a live band. It's yes. probably about a year into us releasing Bring It On. Electricity said that. Electricity said Glastonbury 99 as well. Yeah. I thought it must have been, must have been a good gig. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. It was just, it was just, seeing that many people you know sort of because you know you release a record and again because we've not played live that much i mean we were starting to obviously but you sort of release a record and you know you sold this many records you sold that many records and it's like it doesn't it's not really tangible you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. you don't. but then to see that many people sort of come along and support you and responding to your tunes and singing along and it, yeah it was, it was really special it was like oh, wow. Singing back the lyrics, you know, yeah, there's so nonsense these are the lyrics. That it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the joke lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Did I mention electricity? I'm sure I did. Electricity, massive, massive news about electricity. They've got an album out on the 1st of July. You all know this because I told you a couple of weeks ago and we played a couple of songs for you, played Rocket Man and, of course, Marie Marie. But next week, Nigel, who is the bass player and writes all of the songs for electricity, will be co-hosting this very show with me live from LA. He will be in LA, I will be in the Cotswolds, and he will be co-hosting the show with me. He will be picking all of the songs, apart from the electricity songs, which will choose themselves, I think, because there's a new album out. We're going to play you some of those stuff. So very exciting times coming up. Nigel will be live from LA for the whole show next week, co-hosting it. I'm looking forward to it. But as we're talking about electricity, it'd be rude not to play their massive mega hit, Morning Afterglow.
Hits from the 1990s. Now is not the time to go. I feel the morning afterglow. And it feels oh very strange It's very, very frightening I realize what's happening Could it be that I fall in love? She's the only one for me And she's got everything I need Turn my back the time to go I feel the morning afterglow and it feels so very strange it's very very frightening I realize what's happening could it be that I fall in love she's the only one for me She's got everything 
Morning Afterglow by Electricity. Why are we playing that? Because Nigel from Electricity is going to be co-hosting the show next week all the way from LA. We have some listeners in America, so he'll be on whatever time zone you guys are in. I know you've got a few, but he will be joining us co-hosting it live in well not live in the studio but live definitely live and he's picking all the music so you can blame him not me and if you remember we interviewed electricity and they told us all about that song and all about how it all came together and if you've forgotten about it go back and listen to the podcast it is our number one podcast it is the most listened to podcast on on the Britpop show so i mean it's it's 25% more listens than any other podcast. The second one is the Blue Tones, and the third one, I think, is Echo Belly. So if you want to go and check them out, I would go and check them out now. In the meantime, we're talking to Ben Otterwell from Gomez. And Gomez have three singers, of course, which is unusual for a band, and this is what he says about that. How do you decide who sings the song? For the most part, who's written it, you know, or who's sort of conceived it. Although sometimes, you know, you'll write something in a register that's not quite right you know for years mm. or, or for the chorus to work the verse has to be a bit lower or higher so someone else sings it you know the yeah. type of song you're singing it, it's normally pretty obvious sometimes particularly time will write songs with my voice in mind okay so that's yeah that like see the world's one of them but yeah i mean it's there's never really any ego involved it's just what works you know well luckily you're the only one in the band with a voice like a buffalo back in yeah so so you've you've got that nailed yeah, exactly. And Ian's got the like the sort of more, I guess, sort of poppy voice in a way, or more t- typically what would be like a sort of. Should we call him McFly? Yeah, like a yeah. McFly. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like like girl shaped love drug. Like, you know, it's that well, that's Tom. Moment. Yeah, that's Tom. Okay. So Tom's Tom's voice is a bit more. I guess he does a bit more sort of characters. You know what I mean? He sort yeah. of he puts a bit more sort of character into his voice, and and yeah, it's it's funny. But when we all sing together is when it really comes alive, you know, yeah. I think the yeah. sort of harmonies and stuff. There's never been, ever been, you know, a big falling out about who's going to... I think most of us would prefer not to sing the song. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like... <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like banded around like a sort of hot potato or something. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds better with you. <laughs> He's such a good guest. He gave me such a good interview. And if you don't know his his solo stuff go and check it out he's done some brilliant solo albums there's a song called cradle which i i love it's one of his solo albums uh and he's also playing live he's playing live in cambridge on the 10th of july and he's playing live at shipyard in uh, the ship inn in hoy lake don't know where that is 31st of july and he's got some more in scotland in november go and check him out he's amazing there's this thing that he did uh, I think, in fact, I'll talk about it later on, I think. Uh, let's, uh, so I won't ruin the surprise. But first of all, let's have a word from our sponsors and then have some more about Gomez. You're listening to The Britpop Show. Sponsored by Creation Day Festival. Playing the best and the rest of Britpop. Favourite support act? Ooh, really like my mate John Smith, who played, he's played with us, actually played in the band as well on the Bring It On tour. He's difficult to find on Google, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he's really good. He's sort of a uh, folk guitar player, great songwriter. In terms of bands, probably the Zootons for the most ah. fun. They supported us a couple of times in the states. Yeah, um, yeah, they're great. Because uh, I don't. Do you see it? Jules Holland was interviewing Noel Gallagher, and he picked one of the Zootons, and he said he met the Valerie. 
Um, oh really? Yeah, and she, apparently she doesn't really know that the song is as big as it as it is because she's really she's, she's American. She's from Brooklyn or something. And, oh okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, she doesn't really. No, well, maybe he, he met, maybe he met Valerie on that tour. Maybe because he because he's <laughs> talking about that. looking out across the water. Yeah. And that's the the bit out towards what New Jersey or something. I'm not oh okay. Sure. All yeah. right. Now fans of the show will know that I always ask this next question of my of my guests it's the fave what's your favorite Britpop song let's find out what he says favorite Britpop song oh god i know right i have to ask this question because we're the Britpop show and what normally happens is i ask you and then you go uh and then i then go oh i'll play that and then the audience laugh oh, it they love it they love it so don't pick anything rubbish yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think. I mean, how are we defining Britpop, right? You define Britpop in any way you wish. I mean, are we just saying British music from sort of the 90s? <laughs> if that's what you want to put on it, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Don't pick Coldplay, though. I'll get lynched. Okay, no Coldplay. I guess it has to be have to be a Radiohead tune. Okay? I mean, are they Britpop? Yeah. Do you know what? I'm really glad you said this. Because yeah. had, I, I had to do a poll on Twitter about whether Radiohead were Britpop or not. And 60% said they weren't and 40% said they were, which is cool for me because I like to be in the minority. But then Radiohead have a lot of good songs, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, literally any song off the bends is, is a good song, isn't it? Yeah, it would have to be. I mean, did, did OK Computer stop being Britpop? I'll, no, I'll give you that for Britpop. I'll give you that. Maybe it was 97, was wasn't it? Parent, no, I think 90... Yeah, 97. So but let's just go Paranoid Android. I mean, it's nice. just got everything. I mean, yeah. that's, taken, that's taken eight minutes out of my show. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm <was> talking <laughs> as much. <laughs> See, I told you guys, I told you that Radiohead were Britpop, didn't I? No one listened. I know he debated it and talked about it, but yeah. Now, he's, he gave a great interview. That's why I've been rushing through, because he's now made me play a six and a half minute song. This is it, Paranoid Android by Radiohead.
Paranoid Android by Radiohead, who you guys keep telling me are not Britpop, and yet Ben Ottowell from Gomez picked them. I'm just saying. Remember I did that poll on Twitter, and 60% said Radiohead were not, and 40% said they were, but there was a nice little comment on there saying, if you're saying, should I still play them on the show, then 100%, but they're not Britpop. So, you know, I guess we everyone's happy if we just do it that way, don't we? Paranoid Android, that is 6 minutes 42. No, six minutes, 21 long. Too long, really, isn't it? I could have got two songs in there, but he chose it. And what can you do? And next week, I'm going to be constrained in the same way because Nigel will be here in the studio picking the songs and co-hosting with me. Nigel, of, of course, is from Electricy. I had a message from Dave saying, Girl Shaped Love Drug is probably my favourite Gomez song. I hope to hear it played on the Britpop show one day. We are here to make wishes true. Although... Maybe not today. Now, Gomez, there's some more new material potentially coming up. Do you want to hear about it? I'm sure you do. Have you got anything on the horizon coming up, do you think? Well, we've had a bit of time since uh, sort of the new year I've been writing and we're just starting to throw things together. We, we, we've got, Gomez did start sort of doing a bit of writing and recording 18 months ago now, it's a long time ago. Feels feels like there's this year that's just disappeared, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And obviously that all stops. Two of the guys live in the States, and it's, you know, everyone had their own things going on, their own worries, and it really didn't feel like time to be trying to force the issue. Because Tom's been really busy as well with the broken record thing. And But yeah, I've just dumped a whole load of material on them, so we're just going to see, see what happens, you know? And how just, do you decide that that's a Gomez song and not a solo song? For me, it's more to do with when it gets written, basically. I mean, there are some things that are very obviously solo material, but normally it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, are we, is it time to make Gomez record? Is it time to make solo record? You know, is it what, what's happening? Are the band doing anything? Are we, yeah. you know, yeah. this time I've just dumped, I've, I've just sort of written sort of six or seven tunes and I've just sort of put them all out there just because yeah. it's, you know, and have the band ever said to you, right, I listened to your solo album and there's this great song in it. Why didn't you give it to Gomez, God's sake? What's wrong with you? Um, no, because like as I say, normally the solo records sort of come out a little bit after the Gomez records. So it's always yeah. just a matter of time. But I mean, Ian's a fan of some of them. Like Rattlebag particularly, he really likes. And yeah. I think he 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 wants to re-record that with the band to put it on a Gomez record. So, or play, you know, he's, he's always like... I mean, mainly try and probably try and get out of playing Tijuana Lady again. He's pretty easy. He's just like, oh, we should play some of your solo songs. You know, the rest of the guys like, we've got enough. We've got enough game of songs, mate. You know? <laughs> well, you can charge him a big fat fee for covering your song. Yeah. yeah. That was Ben Ottowell, and he's talking about Gomez. And Gomez, of course, they were one of the bands of the late, I say late 90s, around 97, 98. Their debut album, Bring It On, is one of the best albums of that year. And around the time that Embrace and everybody was coming out, and it was sort of the end of the Britpop era, and people were, you know, they were moving on from the whole Britpop phenomenon. But Embrace and certainly Gomez were were, were still bringing it strong. And people would seem to think, oh, they, they were always on a bit of a downer about that. You know, it's the 97, 98 type of music scene. But it was brilliant. I can't wait for, um, for the 25 years of all of that. And of course, then when that's all done, we'll move on to the 30 years since category. So it's a never ending cycle, isn't it? Until we all just give it up. 
Uh, but we'll never give up the music. Just give up the ghost, that is. Right, thank you guys for listening. That is the end of the show. I've got one more bit from Ben to play for you, and then that will be it. So once again, go out and vote for me if you can, please. Uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. I do appreciate it, as always, every single week. See you on the flip side. broken record obviously it's a tough time for artists at the moment yeah yeah and what's your take on all of this broken record because crispin and tom are very vocal on it aren't they extremely well i mean tom's just done an incredible job of getting you know getting the word out there i think you know he's such a smart guy tom and it's like obviously everyone's been having conversations about this for a long time but it, covid and the lack of touring income has just brought in such sort of sharp relief because, you know, you're sort of looking around and you're like, well, where the hell, you know, I've made all this music and not seeing anything from it. And as a, and yet music consumption is going up and up and up in terms of streaming. And you're not, but you're not really supposed to whinge about that sort of thing. Music, you're not really supposed to talk about it. You yeah, know? yeah. It's just not cool or whatever. And it, it's perception as well, you know, to a certain extent, if you see someone up on the stage, you think that's, that's success, you know, so mm. anyone, crowd it's like oh, these guys are doing so well and you know that's, that's the case a lot of the time but that the truth is right now songs are pretty worthless yeah you know it's, it's quite sad unless unless you're getting millions and millions of streams which the huge majority of artists aren't you, you know you're not and it's not it's not that straightforward writing a song you know it's not i mean sometimes it is very, very rarely, you know, it takes a lot yeah. of time. And, and they're ephemeral things, songs, you know, there's no sort of, not anymore, they're not physical things, you know, so it's very hard. And, and clearly, you know, it, it, you just can't make a living off, off the way the music industry is now. And it's not necessarily the streaming services, although I think they could definitely do a lot more. It's, the, it's this whole sort of cabal of the record industry that just doesn't. Yeah. The problem is, I think, 
artists have always been stitched. But yes. when there was loads of money, nobody cared. No. The problem is there's not as much money now, and so no. people do care. Well, but, but that's but there is. I mean, you know, they're making more money than they have for ages, record companies. It's yeah. just the artists aren't. They've just given away to sort of, you know. And, and you know, and, and quite frankly, even when there was loads of money going around, those record contracts were stitch-ups anyway. Yeah. You know, oh, no, look, the Beatles got stitched. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, even in the 90s, like, those record contracts, like, the worst bank loan you could ever have. Yeah. You yeah. know, in terms of the way it, you, you, you're sort of supposed to pay it back, like, everything, you, you, you know, you're paying back. So, I mean, we've, we've not made a cent in royalties off Bring It On. <clears throat> it's crazy. And it sold, you know, it sold yeah. well over a million. And yeah. it's like, it, you know what I mean? So it's like, we're still in a hole on that. Yeah. So for instance, on Bring On, they will have made back their investment tenfold. Yeah. From that easily. And the problem yeah. is they, they go out on all these boozy lunches and stick it on expenses, which goes onto your account. Yeah. 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 I mean, we had a number that we could call when we were all living in London that you'd get a car. Anytime we wanted to take us anywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Of course, but we weren't. We had no idea that we were actually paying for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 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 now they've got Uber. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, what I'm trying to achieve because I don't really understand. The he's tactics. trying to achieve equitable, equitable remuneration so that you know people get paid properly and fairly for their music. But you know, but, so. but by asking the people who are coining it in yeah. to, to be fair it's not going to work is it well no not asking them but i mean he's he's had a parliamentary inquiry into it so so we're hoping boris will do something about it well you know i mean that the, they've had these guys they've had these record executives up in front of parliament and the culture sector and stuff like talking mm -hmm. so hopefully there'll be a change in the way because there needs to be because you're just gonna gonna run out of musicians <laughs>